That's really good, everybody. This is Nathan Albach, and welcome to the podcast where we get into people's stories and go down a bunch of rabbit holes about what's really good in the world. If you're a uh, regular listener of the show, you know I've been saying the past couple months that I'm planning to move the bulk of my content to Twitch starting in September of the year 2019 for any future listeners. I'll uh, still be producing podcast episodes of What's Really Good. They're just going to be way more infrequent from here on out. Um, the reason being that Twitch requires far less production time, and I just don't have the time right now to be producing a podcast, at least at this caliber. It just takes a lot of time to prep for the episodes, to run it and try to get the quality right, and then do post-production tweaking and all that. It's just, it's become a lot. And with Twitch, it's just like, you know, the channel's up, it's live, you produce it, and that's it. So yeah, um, please, if you if you enjoyed this show, um, find me on Twitch. The channel's going to be just my name when it's up, Nathan Allbach. So uh, I'll keep you all posted with that. And it, it'll be similar solo rants and interviews and a lot of the same fun stuff that this podcast has done. Uh, anyway, but yeah, thanks so much for listening and supporting my work. Uh, it means a ton to have people to share all this with. And I just don't know what I'd do without all of you. So... <laughs> Let's just jump into this thing today. Um, I had on my online buddy, Matt Allaire. Matt is a podcaster, sports content creator, and online commentator. He's a Twitch streamer, producer, and a bunch of other stuff, like all millennials. We have been trying to do this forever and finally got to work here. Uh, we, We talked about how he got into the social and digital space as a content creator. Um, We both ranted a bit about how major sports leagues have been enforcing these DMCA copyright takedowns of people's commentary and content of their clips on social media the past few years and how that just sucks and just really like highlights the divide between new and old sports fans insofar as like how they consume content, you know, like uh, younger fans consuming online, being used to to clipping certain things and then editing them and whatnot, and just how older fans are much more used to cable and watching things traditionally. So yeah, we got into that, um, what sports culture is like online, uh, a bit on the move to esports and live streaming. Uh, Matt also shared a bit about his struggle with anxiety and uh, this rough patch that he went through last year. Um, and yeah, there's, there's a bunch more we got into that I don't need to spoil here. Uh, I've got his links in the show notes. Uh, he's a great guy and it was a really fun conversation. So hope you all enjoy it. Now let's get into what's really good. Matt, thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm happy to be here. How are uh, you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's uh, you know, we were just uh doing pregame chat, and the, you among many other folks that I've had on this show, you're on like that 1.5 year waiting list. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying to do this for a long time, and we keep telling each other we were going to do it, and then uh, it never has happened. And now finally, we were like, okay, let's set a date, and we finally, uh, we finally made it. 
Dude, life comes at you fast. It really does, especially when you're doing a lot of things at once, as we both are usually. And, and, uh, and, and, I, and I, I feel like it makes me sound like I'm, I'm, I don't know, like I'm a hot shot or some shit with the show. I mean, like the show, the show is not this like desirable platform where like I'm just, you know, oh, like uh, you'll you'll get on eventually. But it is one of those things where you it's, know, it's a, it's a hey, it's a hot commodity right now. People want to be on the pod. Well, it's not just that. I mean, of course, of course, it's that everybody wants to be on. <laughs> but, but there is a waiting list that is so long you guys wouldn't believe it's terrible it's crazy it's terrible but like you, you just you alluded there i mean on a given month right i mean i might have two three four podcasts scheduled among the rest of the things in my life that i'm doing so if like the week comes and we have something scheduled but then something comes up and we one of us can't do it anymore it can't it isn't, it isn't just like oh matt yeah we'll jump on it like this time next week i'm like oh wait no we got to go months out to to book this properly it's a great time it's a great time <laughs> oh it's terrible man. and you're never busy so no no i'm like i'm i've got tons of free time on my hands just you know exactly i'm very free-flowing guy exactly but, but dude let's um before we jump into all the different various topics that i know we can both ramble about uh let's just give people some background i guess and give myself some background because like, i know yeah i know definitely. enough of you at least from you know following you on twitter for the past like year and a half or so but i don't know too much about you know how you came to the online sports world and and commentary and all the the various things that i know you do so why don't you just yeah a little bit so this this is this will be a funny story so how i got initially i've been on twitter for a long time but the account that i currently have that i use like my main account i've only had for I think like three, it's going up four years, I think. Okay. I think four years. I'm about to check now because I want to fact check myself because it's (laughs) going to bother me if I get it wrong. Oh, it's five years. Okay. Five years. But I've been on Twitter for a lot longer than that. And this account started as like exclusively like a Reds, Cincinnati Reds fan account. And that was it. And it was only talking Reds, only talking that type of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Then I expanded to be only Cincinnati sports. And then I eventually expanded to be all of Ohio. And then eventually I'm like, why the hell am I doing this? Why don't I just make it myself? (laughs) Because at that point I had like 10,000 followers. I was like, why am I doing this? Like, there's no point in building a brand that I don't really plan on using for much in the future. Right. So I just, I did this whole thing, did this whole like rebrand of sorts. And I said, I'm going to keep talking about the same stuff, (laughs) but like, just, it's going to be my name. And then I got incredibly lucky and got verified within the first, like, month of switching over. I got ridiculously lucky. I still don't know how. Um, And then from there, it just was kind of like I've I've stayed pretty stagnant for the last year. But that's a big accomplishment for me (laughs) because I'm not really trying to grow. Like, there was a point where I was, like, constantly pushing out stuff, trying to grow, trying to grow, trying to grow, trying to grow. So, like, the way that I grew my account to begin with is I – I mean, you remember Vine. I mean, that was right. huge. But I used it in in a unique way. I mean, I had over 300 million loops on Vine. Wow. But nobody would ever know that. Like, it's not like – like, I wasn't – my face was on anything. It was always clipping sports things, clipping mm-hmm. things that were happening. And I would be the first person to have it out every single time. That's and it so would be, wild, man. And I would be the first person to have it on all my accounts. I would be the first person to have it up. And then my Vine would get shared – instantly by all these big accounts that followed me because they knew that I would have this stuff up before anybody else. So anytime there was a big event that was happening, I was constantly doing that. Does that make sense? Oh my and God. So, yeah, yeah. so, but then eventually I learned how to make uh GIFs. Yes. I say GIFs. How to make, <laughs> how to make, how to make GIFs. 
that were really high quality really quickly and push them out really fast. And then I kind of had had have had to stop doing that recently because of DMCA stuff, and I'm scared of that now, mm. which sucks because – and we'll get into this. Sports is really dumb about how they handle DMCA stuff, but mm. we'll discuss this later. And then my account got banned for <laughs> a month and a half because I was using music in videos. So – Yes, the biggest thing that I had going for me was the Titanic videos. I was the first person to do it on Twitter, along with the first, like, the person who did it the most on Twitter, besides the people who, like, literally branded their entire account, like, Titanic Hoops or Titanic whatever, and did it worse than I did. Can you just explain that for people listening? Essentially what it was was if there was any time there was a major sports moment that happened, I would put Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On in the background of it. (laughs) And let me tell you, it's incredible, and it was a good bit for, like, a year, and then I got really tired of it. So part of me is really glad I don't have to make them anymore because it got <laughs> really tiring, and it was one of those things that's, like, really funny and really good because you're getting millions of views, and it's going really well, and all this stuff is doing really well, right? And then you're like, I hate this because now anytime any major sports, like, thing happens, I get, like, 15 DMs like, do a Titanic, do a Titanic. And now that I got suspended – for doing them, I have a good excuse that I never have to do it again. And I'm actually kind of happy about that <laughs> because there's no reason for me to ever do that kind of thing again. So when I first came back, I did a rendition where I took like a red walk off thing and then sang my heart will go on over it. That's which perfect. It was, was great. <laughs> I'm a very talented uh, musician and vocalist. So it worked out really well for me. It was perfect. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I, I definitely want to get into just this whole uh, DMCA like copyright. I have lots of thoughts. On I, I know you do. And, like, and, and obviously this, this, is, this affects, it impacts everything you do. I mean, this is like the centerpiece of your personal brand in a way. So we'll, we'll jump into that in a bit. I mean, like just to kind of give, uh, I guess me some background too on like how, like, so I know this is how you initially started the account then like getting into Ohio mm-hmm. sports and then kind of like growing it from there. But I mean, what made you, I guess, want to commit this portion of your life to spending this much time online like building an audience like that like were you well i I mean obviously you were a sports guy growing up yeah definitely so there's that but i mean like what like outside of that like was this something you saw as a career opportunity was it just a hobby like like what made well it was something that i just enjoyed doing and i was doing anyways and then I realized the potential of growing an audience and I was like, well, this was, I'm enjoying doing it and I'm growing an audience. So I might as well like keep trying, mm. like doing it well. And that was kind of the case for a while. And then I would say probably within the last year, I'm just kind of more enjoying social media yeah. more than, uh, like pushing it because I worked in social media for a year. I like, ran some stuff and I didn't really enjoy it a lot. And I think that there, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. Like there's a lot of situational things that went into that. That was nobody in particular's fault. It was just I was young. I was still very inexperienced and blah, blah, blah. But it was something that I was like, well, this is a different type of thing. So now I've been kind of focusing on just kind of enjoying it for what it is and randomly ranting about things, which is a lot of fun. And uh, I don't know, like I'll, I'll throw things out periodically that are that are good and that are like. Like I try on the content, but then other times it's like, well, I'm not really always trying to put out the most incredible things. Sometimes I'm just like, hey, Sony sucks, and that's the entirety <laughs> of what I have. Are, are you are you a happier person now? You think now that it's not? Oh, like definitely. Such a- oh my god, yes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. Now that I don't have to worry about well, because everybody caught up. 
everybody for a while you like the the viewers had to be the one to push the highlights of sports stuff mm. and it was infuriating because i would beat the reds official account to a highlight by 10 minutes that shouldn't be happening right like it's, and it was and i voiced that to the reds social media department and now i'm like oh boy i can't like say something for them i'm like blacklisted from them interacting <laughs> with me because i got they got so mad at me for like like beating them to I was everything. gonna say they got there was a lot of stuff that they got them. yeah and, it, and it's a whole thing because I'm like friends with some of the people in the department and I'm friends with some of the people in the Reds and they're great people but like I don't know it's 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 a frustrating thing because luckily they have people there now who are really good who are like some of the people they brought in this year who I'm friends with who I've been ironically one of the guys who was running one of the big accounts who would use my vines is now one of the guys who's helping run the red social. Oh, wow. So he, we have a connection. He's really good. So he gets the entire thing because we've been doing it for five years. Mm -hmm. And so he gets it, which is really good because now that he's helping to run that, it's able to put out stuff much quicker because he understands how everything functions there. But it's, it's a very interesting relationship. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like this, uh, this issue, however you want to frame it of like the whole copyright, um, just like centerpiece of, of everything being on the internet where it's like open platform and, you know, growing up in the earlier days of being online, obviously there was ne- less restriction, less regulation, you know, you could get away with a lot more than you can get away with now. Cause all these corporations, you know, have entire departments dedicated, it's solely to, you know, not just monitor on personal, like individual levels, but they monitor with algorithms and bots and all that. And it's, yeah. it's way, way tougher to get around. So, I mean, like, it's it's kind of a weird paradox. Like for you as a sports fan, and, and I, I empathize with this really strongly as a fan of uh, mixed martial arts, because, you know, MMA particularly as a sport, it's so much more new than all the other sports like football, mm-hmm. baseball, soccer, etc., and because of that, I mean, it, it, like from when I was growing up in like 2007, 2008, 2009 or so, I mean, back then it was super difficult to find uh, clips and videos of the yeah. fights. You know yeah. what I mean? Because like it, they had like cable deals and all that. But if you were a, a, a super fan and you wanted to find the highlights and, and like find more commentary, there wasn't a lot around. So you had to go to the people like you who, you know, I had to go to the people like you who are just, like, indie creators and people that are splicing up clips and uploading yep. to Reddit and all these, like, various uh, web communities, you know, because that was the only way I could get content. So, I mean, it's weird because now, like, now the UFC particularly is a partner with ESPN and there's all these paywalls and it's really, they, they've cracked down uh, tremendously the past couple of years on copyright and everything. Like, if you... If you take a clip of a, like a fight, any part of a fight on any given night, and you upload it somewhere online, it's a matter of minutes before you know some employee. The there. International Olympic Committee is the same way. Yeah, they're the they're right, the most right. they, the IOC and MMA. Those are the two that are the quickest. And you can't even like yeah, the Olympics are that's their the Olympics are the, the Olympics are the fastest one. The Olympics are. Literally within seconds. I don't understand whatever system they have in place. It's absurd. Like, it's crazy. 
Yeah, it makes like I don't know sense. what it is, but yeah, they get it immediately. It's because I mean, like I guess the, their their partnerships and their sponsorship deals and all that are just so beyond probably what most other organizations are. are and they have like the weird like legacy name recognition thing, which is like this yep. holier than thou uh, thing. Than we're than, the International than, Olympic Committee. Yeah, like we're we're better like, than yeah. all these other sports leagues. Exactly. But anyway, all all that to say though, I mean, from, from your position, you know, as someone who's a hardcore sports fan, like you've been doing this stuff on line for years and like you said it, it took a while but now these kind of corporate entities have caught up to what you do i mean like how does that like i know you've kind of on a personal level said that you're you're fine stepping back and kind of just oh enjoying my god i'm so happy media. about it but but like as a as someone who comes from that background like i'm sure you have plenty of friends like yourself who do similar yep. style content like like how do you feel about i guess the evolution of that landscape and in so far as you know the corporate entities cracking down on independent and creators and people that people like you who really you know from a grassroots level in a way have built the online like digital presence of these sports yeah it, so what's super interesting about especially twitter i think twitter is the biggest as far as so sharing highlights instagram to a certain extent facebook not really twitter is more like instant it's twitter's like, instant yeah twitter is as soon as something happens it's going to be on twitter and Every time that someone views that video on Twitter, it is free advertisement for whatever league. Every single time for whatever event's going on, it is free advertisement for that league. And what's super interesting is the NBA figured it out almost immediately. I don't know if you know this, but the NBA figured it out almost immediately because they have – I don't know if they've ever issued a DMCA thing. They, in fact, encourage people to take videos of their TVs, to put up highlights. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Highlights, stuff like that. They promote it. They have hired people who that's how they got together. Like it's it, the, the NBA gets it. And the people who are into sports know that because there's a lot of accounts and there's a lot of people who post NBA highlights. And the NBA is ironically one of the most popular sports in the mm-hmm. United States. And it's the most popular on Twitter. NBA Twitter is easily the most like easily the biggest Twitter of all the sports. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. It's, it's huge. It's in, it's massive. And the NFL is getting better with it, but they're still issuing DMCAs. They're still issuing stuff, but they're also really, they've also been good for a while about getting clips out quick. So they're not awful. The NHL, I believe, lets you do pretty much whatever. They're the, similar to the NBA. They recently changed that. They let you do pretty much whatever. MLB is the big one, right? Mm. This is the one, these are, cause I'm a huge baseball fan. It's the one I'm, the most interested in like all that stuff, but they're also the ones who for years and years didn't let you post anything that wasn't originally posted by them. (laughs) And so you had to find work. That's why, that's why I use vine for so long is because it wouldn't ban my Twitter account. I got my vine account deleted probably seven or eight times. Wow. Because MLB would constantly do DMCA takedowns on my account and just take down like six second, like highlight clips. And all it would be is like a one-second loop of something stupid that happened or a five-second loop of something that happened or blah, blah, blah. But it would constantly be getting taken down. And recently, within the last six to seven months, I would say, like this season, Mm -hmm. I haven't seen as much issues with it. Because last season, there's a guy named Pitching Ninja. And what he did is he would take make GIFs of every pitcher – of like, oh, here's a great pitch that happened, or here's something super interesting that happened. And 
MLB teams would actually use his Twitter feed to scout people and to like figure out teams. Mm. And then MLB DMCA'd his account and got it deleted. What? And everybody was absolutely furious to the point that MLB had to issue an apology. And I think that they – and I don't have, like, official word on this, obviously. I'm pretty sure they changed, like, their entire policy after the Pitching Ninja situation because I haven't seen anybody get DMCA'd since that happened. And now he, like, does stuff for MLB because they realized how valuable he was. And they were like – they just shut it down. Like, But if people don't outcry about that stuff, like, that guy's account is just gone. Man, that's insane. And, it, and, and this has been going on for years. And it's it's – it's weird to me because MLB is by far the least followed sport by young people. Mm. And because it's, it's, it's an older game. It's yeah, not there's less like action. There's less action. Yeah. Like the NBA is constant stuff happening. The NFL is like hard hitting thing. Like it's, and it's the most popular sport The and NHL is like one of the smaller sports, but still like, it's like fast paced and fast moving. Baseball's not that at all. Yeah. But when something interesting happens in baseball and you can't clip it and share it, what's the point? Like if it's all if all MLB is going to share is like the home runs and stuff and not this weird thing that happened in the outfield that you can clip and get millions of views on if you're allowed to share it, but you're not always allowed to share it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. And so there'll be constantly things like that that are happening where it's like, well, if I don't clip this and share it, it's never going to get seen by anybody. Mm. But – if I post it, then it's going to get deleted, and MLB is going to DMCA strike my account. <laughs> so it's a constant uh, battle between trying to figure out, okay, I want to post this because, A, it benefits me. Not going to lie. Like, that's part of it. Uh-huh. But also, it's like, this is a funny thing that happened. It'd be cool as shit to share this with, like, a lot of people. But you can't do that until, like, recently. The entire thing is because it's free advertising. Yeah. You want people to be interested in your game. You want people to be interested in whatever you're selling. Whatever you're doing, whatever your content you're putting out, you want people to be interested in it. Especially on Twitter where there's no monetization. It's one thing if you're putting it on YouTube and you're monetizing it. Right, that right. I think they have all the right in the world to take that down and do whatever if they're just ripping things and putting it straight onto a mod like yeah, where you're monetizing. Like no fair use addition to it. Exactly. Like, yeah. But if you're just posting it to Twitter, Twitter where I'm not making if, – if there's a way to make money off Twitter, I would like to know about it because <laughs> as of right now, I don't think there's a way to monetize on Twitter because I know there's not. And it's so backwards where all these music companies and all these – like – they're in all these like sports leagues and all these things are just like, no, 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 we don't want our content shared. It's so backwards to me. Like it just doesn't make logical sense as to why you would want that to be the case. Yeah, it, Does that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. It, it, I, I view it like it has the reverse effect of what they want because they're they're viewing it as a strictly legal issue where it's like, oh, here's somebody stripping our copyrighted content. We have, True. To, and, we have and to what's, take it down. Yeah, and what's interesting, and I've talked to MLB employees about this, and they're like, and the answer I've always gotten is, we want to drive people to our website so that we get the ad revenue on our videos right. on our website on MLB.com, where you can go and watch the videos and watch the highlights. So you're sacrificing millions and millions and millions and millions of potential eyes just so you can make like a few bucks on advertising on a website. Yeah. It, it all I mean, not, not that it's not, that, not that it's not that it's like any like chump change or whatever, like not, not that they're not making a lot of money off that. I'm sure they are, but 
you got to think about the potential revenue years down. If you gain a fan, just from like if, the, if you get a video on Twitter and it has millions of views, if you gain one new fan out of that, you're going to make way more money off them over a for the next time. for the next yeah. 40, 50 years than you are with. Like, you know what I mean? It, it's like it doesn't make like I, I don't get the entire idea of like especially on Twitter where it's not monetized and not like even Instagram's a little iffy because I don't understand Instagram's monetization. Admittedly, I don't spend a lot of time on Instagram, so I don't understand how their monetization all works, but like, I don't, I don't know. Do you, do you, no, do you no, get no, the, totally. Uh, I, I was going to, uh, I was going to jump in and say, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's a short sighted way of, of trying to skim off a few extra bucks with the advertising dollars. Like you said, because from the legalist standpoint, it makes crystal clear sense. Like if you, if you're, Looking at this from a strict bottom line perspective, like like you said, I mean, hey, we got to draw more eyeballs to our our sources to get those ad dollars. That's the reason we got to do this. Okay, that's fine. Except the problem with that perspective is that the types of people who are going to what one okay, like you got to split into two categories. Like one is the traditional sports viewer, and this is the person who you know has cable television. They watch these sports on ESPN. Then after yep. the games, maybe they miss a game or something they'll go to the websites and they'll catch the highlights and like look up the the recap and all that like those are your traditional fans they're old school they're they're probably over 40 up at this point then you have the majority of younger fans which is like your 40 below fans yep. who are i've grown up like like you said you know watching this stuff via streams and, and catching these cool clips and maybe they've watched it on youtube twitch wherever i mean like it's just various yep. It, they, they probably grew up watching ESPN, but ever since they got online, they've been finding these deeper uh, sub-communities on places like Reddit or Twitter where they can interact with other fans and clip these interesting parts of the sport. And like the thing is, is that that fan, the younger, more online-oriented fan, isn't coming to the sport with the same uh, marketability as an older fan. Like They're not... Yep. going to ESPN.com for the highlight recap either way. So that's like the weird thing, like like where I think ESPN is assuming that, you know, the market is all the same. You know, all we have to do is control the content and we're going to get all the eyeballs from like the younger people and the older people. But what they're not like taking into account is just the fact that, you know, if someone your age is posting this stuff or, or trying to consume this stuff and then the next day it's all gone, that doesn't necessarily mean that those younger people are going to go to ESPN.com to find it. Because like you said, a lot of this stuff from like the, the corporate level, it kind of gets repetitive. I mean, okay, like you're going to catch up on this MLB game. You're going to see in the highlight the, the home runs that were hit, you know, like the, the super clean, you know, best play of the game or whatever. But you're not going to catch all the things that might interest you personally as a fan. So Yeah, or just like the actual viral things that can happen. Yeah, like, it, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like, sure. I, I think that's like that's where the big disconnect is between those audiences. And, and, this is, and this is across all sports, all media platforms. I mean, it's just the fact that younger people who grew up with the Internet, you know, we just have a complete different mindset in terms of our consumption. And we still are willing to put money where we need to in terms of investing into to viewing the product and consuming it or whatever but yeah. we're also on top of that wanting this additional thing like you're talking about i it's just it's just such a weird thing to explore as as sports move more into a digital world 
and we'll get into it in a little bit with with Twitch and with esports and everything because I think that that's they get it more because of where their audience is, mm-hmm. and it's super interesting to see like almost like the old guard of sports versus the new like group that's coming in. And it's very interesting to me, like just as a fan of both, to see how both sides are handling the marketing, the DMCA stuff, all the like, like all the things surrounding that are super interesting to me because I've been a fan of both. And there's a decent amount of people that are a fan of both. But also as somebody who understands the marketing side of it and has been sharing highlights for forever, it's 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 fascinating to me because when you look at how even like the NFL, which is the biggest league, one of the biggest leagues in the world, if not the biggest league, sports league in the world, mm-hmm. right? It's from a money standpoint, from a yeah, it's massive. Like it's it's huge. Like they, the fact that they for a long time just didn't let people share their highlights, just didn't let people do what they want, didn't like on Twitter, and didn't let people promote their own sport is just so backwards to me. But then again, they're the biggest one they can almost afford to. They can yeah. almost afford to kind of do that stuff. When you're MLB, you can't afford to do that stuff. When your numbers are constantly dropping, when you're not really gaining a lot of fans, when you're not like you can't afford to just say, no, we don't want you. We don't want this to get out there. We want this to come out like Mm -hmm. that doesn't work. And they've gotten better with some things. I'll give them that. Like some of the stuff like they do with cut for some of the things they do with Sisters Family Barbecue. Some of the things they do are good. And I'm friends with some of those people and they're great. But there's lots of years to make up for yeah. that we're kind of lost. I don't know. No, man. It's yeah. It's a, it's a highly, highly complex thing. That's, that's completely split on the corporate level where there's just a disconnect between, you know, this, again, this traditional consumer base, which, you know, these, these massive sports corporations have been advertising for the past, you know, half a century or, or a century in some cases, you know, and now it's just a completely, Different ball game, and, and this isn't unique to sports at all. I mean, it's it's all across all media platforms that we've seen. You know, from like media layoffs and all that, as like yep. new new media companies have come in, like your Buzzfeeds of the world, and like your old guard is kind of, and like yep. local journalism's kind of died out because just there's. I mean, Barstool these... at this point is more influential than ESPN is, which yes. is crazy. But that's okay. So that, that's a good, yeah, absolutely. I was gonna ask you about that. I mean, in terms of like yeah. kind of revolutionizing the, this whole. Uh, online sports space. I mean, was Barstool the first, or was Barstool just kind of like leading? No, Barstool. The well, Barstool led the charge, and they came in at the perfect time for them to succeed. And I followed them for a while, and I've been following their content for a while. There's some things about it I enjoy. There's other parts I don't. There's some parts I agree with. There's other parts I don't. I just take it for its face value and enjoy it for what the stuff I do enjoy. Um, I have friends who work for the company who are great. I've like like it. I'm not going to badmouth anybody there, but. They came in at the perfect time because they're a Boston-based company, right? They came in and they were growing right at the time when all the Boston teams were winning like crazy, which promoted their brand like crazy, which makes the content good. Content's best when your team's winning. Right. And that's exactly what they needed to kind of propel themselves to that next level where they could become like a national now international brand because for a while they were just Boston and just New York and that was it and they slowly expanded and they they grew at the perfect time as social media was booming and gave them this opportunity to become this hundred million dollar like brand mm-hmm. and 
as someone who's seen the backs the the back end of everything and like they're doing well and it's it's very interesting to me especially with how polarizing they are you know what i mean oh yeah totally. and it's and it's it's things like so like the recent union thing right that was like the most biggest trending thing on twitter you know how many times dave has said stuff like that just to get people riled up yep. literally hundreds of times he does it simply because he knows that when he says stuff like that a nothing's gonna happen there's no there's no like nobody in the company is going to be like, yeah, let's unionize and actually do this because it wouldn't make sense because they enjoy what they do. And they're like, there's issues there. But like you get the point I'm making. Yeah. And he's going to get millions of people riled up online. And, you know, he loves that. And it works every single time. Yeah. He- and it's part of the uh, like what makes it partially entertaining is like, well. Here goes Dave again. Like, yeah, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? No, it's like it's it's a super. I mean, and this is not to draw like a, a tit for tat parallel, but I mean it's a very similar strategy to Trump or Logan and Jake Paul. It's like it's the provocateur strategy, Definitely. just to be like, hey, you know, I'm gonna say what I want, do what I want, and no matter what the sort of like polite corporate media thinks about that i mean there's a contingency of the population who likes people and companies who just don't really give a shit about what the status yeah. quo is so it's like even if yeah. they don't agree with it necessarily it's like ooh, this is kind of fun like here here's like this big sports guy or, or whatever personality like yeah going i will up say this though. everybody i will say this it is pretty impressive how apolitical barstool has been for the most part like it's pretty remarkable mm-hmm. because What's what's funny and what most people don't really realize is that the majority of the people in that uh, in the office like lean left like crazy, mm-hmm. but you would never guess that yeah. because of the kind of the portrayal and the like how people portray them. It's super interesting, and again they but they stay political apolitical for, like almost always, and that's on purpose. I was going to say, I mean, they kind of, uh, they fall into a similar boat as the entire uh, loose sphere of comedians like Joe Rogan, Bill Burr. Yes, like, yes, it's kind of yes. that weird amorphous space where it's like a lot of these guys, you know, when you press them, like if they're on like a, a late night show like Conan or, or Jimmy Kimmel or something like that, you know, they're going to. They're going to dress Poke up. Poke a little fun or yeah, you, do yeah, whatever. They're, they're, yeah. You know that they're not like uh, far right or far left. They're kind of somewhere in this like gooey middle. Yeah. And, like, they're, Which they're, is where the majority of people are. Yeah. So that, that's we, what, that's we, what I, I think we've say. even had this discussion before about like politics on Twitter and how that all plays out because it's super interesting. Yeah. And, and like the politics on Twitter, like obviously Twitter, especially above other platforms, it favors, you know, the most uh, extreme ideologies for a reason because everything on like, both sides like yeah. crazy it's, it's, hy- like, it's hyper focused in, in that way but i mean like to your, just just yeah, to kind of tag on to your, to your point there i mean though, i think it makes sense that barstool like from a strictly uh like like political stance position i mean it makes sense that they're quote-unquote apolitical because their their entire brand sort of it leans into this center right ish camp kind of like libertarian Ish, where it's yeah. just like we don't really give a shit, you know, like stay out of our way. We're gonna say and do what we want. Like we're not gonna pander to the to the crowd. So it's kinda you get that large yeah. audience which it's, like which falls into those comedian circles too. Yeah, and it's super interesting because yeah, I don't know. The whole the whole portray, portrayal side of things is also very interesting to me because there's one side of it where it's like, yeah, Barcelona fans are gonna see it say they do no wrong ever. Which is not true. I think that's not that's not, not true. Mm-hmm. But then there's the other side where it's like any little thing that Barstool does, they're the worst company ever. They're 
all pieces of shit. They're all like, like you know what? I, like like it's the entire Deadspin scenario. I'm sure you've seen that. Yeah, right. It's right. like anything that Barstool does, Deadspin's gonna like say they're the worst company ever. Yeah, for gonna it. be some. Hit. Meanwhile, Deadspin has done infinitely worse things, <laughs> like as a company. Yeah, but like. It doesn't matter. Like, there's no, like, morals and all of that in that side of the game. I'm not saying Barcelona has it, but you get the point I'm making. It's, it's super interesting because, especially on Twitter, you see both – it's, like, the extreme sides of things, like you said. And people really struggle to find middle ground on a lot of stuff. Yeah, and like, and companies the size of Barstool, I mean, like, it's almost, it's impossible to, like, if you were going to play the game, like, if I'm Barstool as an entity, yeah. and I'm going to play the media game and try to get more of this establishment media and audience to kind of accept me as a company, you're going to lose that game every time because you don't really have a moral high ground, one, as, a, as the, the type of company, but, yeah. but two, also, is just the space that you work in. Like I said, it's kind of that weird, mushy, like, center-ish, center-right camp, and, like, you, it kind of also falls in line with companies like BuzzFeed, in a way, where, like, mm-hmm. you kind of got in at the ground level of, like, internet culture yeah. as, like, the sports mantra, so you're no longer, like... It, like, but, like and you uh, gotta wonder what the life cycle on it is, too. Right. Because and, there's a certain point where it's, like, well, BuzzFeed is at the back end of its life cycle, in my opinion. Like, exactly, exactly. And, and yeah. we, and it, it, it's been going for years now, at this point, where it's been on a decline. And... I, I, Barcelona's there's a lot of things that go into it because there's some things they're doing well and other things are not like and we'll get into this in a minute like with their Twitch it does really well they have stuff set up that does really well on Twitch that's more valuable than people realize and there's things like that where it's like okay maybe they're doing the right thing and they realize the direction things are headed but then there's other times where you're like what are they doing mm. <laughs> Yeah. And it's the same thing with BuzzFeed, where you're looking at it like, what? Like, they just didn't adapt. Yeah. They just, they, they, they've done some things, like, with YouTube and with other things, but the, the website, they just haven't adapted, like, at all. And they don't really have, like, a podcast presence, I don't believe, unless they've bought, like, rights to stuff. But you, you I don't know. No, no. It's, I... it's all, it's all super interesting to me, especially, especially when you look at, and we'll move into this, I'm kind of wanting to talk about it the Twitch side of things with esports and how's that like that, if we're looking at it, that's the next frontier. Yeah. No, 100%. and it's almost, it's already here. It's like, it's already here a hundred percent. And there's people who are in on the ground floor of it, who are going to make so much goddamn money off of it. And they already are. But like, if you think like what Ninja and those guys are making right now is crazy, if you wait like five years, it's going to be absolutely absurd. Well, I was going to say like we're kind of on the precipice of the next massive uh, media conglomerate situation with online uh, media sources because like now, if you look back at the start of a company like Barstool around that time period, you know it was before there were really established online media presences from a lot of these corporations and, and yep. fig- figures like Ninja or PewDiePie, like they just weren't around at that point. Like there were, there weren't like these centralized megastars that could draw millions of people and earn millions of dollars at, at the national and international level. But now very few people like that, but, but now they're, they're, they're countless. There's like, right. There's like thousands, if not there's tens of thousands of stars that are like that. So what happened? Literal stars. Yeah. So, so now like the next phase, 
days as these people are all making their money and these corporations are kind of like you mentioned, like the the sort of inevitable life cycle of all these digital companies, like who knows where Barstool is on that scale. But you have to think, you know, at some point, a company like Barstool will, will either go under or transform or merge into another company. And eventually it's, it's, a yeah. big company will start to buy all these talented streamers and YouTubers, and then they'll become these new conglomerates where they're competing with each other on these streaming yeah. platforms. Yeah, and so, like, when you look at, like, a, this kind of goes back a minute, but, like, with S, like SB Nation. I, I know you're, are you any familiar at all with SB Nation? Uh, a bit. I don't follow, like, so yeah, like, I know what it is. I don't follow the So the it used to be though. the place to go for sports content on the Internet. Mm-hmm. It has, like, it's fallen off completely. Yeah. And there's some people there who are still good and still put out good stuff, but it used to be like you were visiting that site daily and they were putting out good things and it was funny and it was well produced and it was well put together and all that stuff. And now just people don't care. Yeah. And that, that was it was only like two three years ago where they were like top of their game, doing really well, growing consistently. Now they I think they've been stuck at like. I'm gonna check something fast because I'm curious where they're at now. Yeah, because they were like they 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 were growing like on the social blade like crazy. I was gonna say they've been sitting at they've been sitting at 300,000 Twitter followers for probably two years. Hmm. Because like similar to to Barstool, I mean, they were one of those kind of emergent blogger sports companies or whatever that that came out like at the precipice of the internet movement essentially. Yeah, in yeah, it's a similar thing, and it's really interesting looking at kind of their stagnant growth almost because it used to be such a like massive company. Like if you just go to like their social blade right now, they've only like gross gained 700 followers this month. That's insane. (laughs) That's nuts. That's absurd. That's that's dead in the water. (laughs) And, And like, that's what everything is at this point. Right. And it's, it's super, I don't know. It's super interesting kind of, looking at how those all all there's tons of those companies like you said there's they're all over the place and now like you said when you look at twitch and esports orgs and all these things that are happening there's going to be companies you're going to be trying to get in and it's going to be like too late because anybody who's already the if you're not already in you're too late right Cause that, cause and that's the same situation that it was pre- previously, too. And, that, and that's the thing with a lot of these sports companies. I mean, I, I like the parallel to BuzzFeed in this way with, with Barstool and BuzzFeed because both companies are massive media conglomerates that also have targeted in on their audiences. And BuzzFeed, yep. you know, over the years has done just a, a great job. With you, with, it's, it's the same thing as uh, Barstool. It's like whether you love them or hate them, when you look at the types of videos and the types of articles they do, they deliver to a very specific audience over and over again. And, and like they, I, they eat it up. Yeah. And, and, and like I've done, like like our company, we've done advertising with Barstool before. Like we've done yep. video, video ads with them. And it's they honest, do well. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say, I mean, like very few media companies can deliver the level of uh, not just like impression and engagement wise, like not just like your metrics, but actually reaching the specific target markets and having because because barcel hits a market that's almost impossible to hit which yeah, is it's the, nowhere else like there's no which is options. the 17 to 30 year old male yeah 
Do you know how difficult <laughs> it's a nearly impossible group of people to reach? Like, there's no other, and they've there's nailed other company it. that can like like at the same rate with the same reach. Like, it's not like there are they are the company if you're trying to reach 17 to 30 year old men. They are the company. That's I, it. I remember having these conversations at work because, like, I'm not a huge fan of Barstool. Yeah. And similar to you, I mean, like, I know, like, Ellie Schnitt, who's got her whole podcast mm-hmm. situation with them. She's great. Like, I know a few people that work there and, like, nothing against the people that work there, obviously. There's some great people. But as a company, like, I'm not a fan yeah, that's of your, a lot of the, uh, like, the practices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. Nothing against it. Totally. And like, I think um, it's like when I brought this up at work, it was one of those things where we were like going back and forth. And it's like, there's really no option. Like it's either it's either advertise with them or you're going to have to start dispersing smaller ad campaigns to smaller media companies. And you're probably not going to get close to the same return because they just have that entire market cornered. It's brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) It's a crazy. So, like, why don't you just like you can use that as a bridge, I guess, to kind of yeah, jump yeah. into like their Twitch and like how do, how you feel yeah, about so that whole space. So, what's super interesting when you're looking at Twitch and you're looking at the entire live streaming like next thing, that's what's next: live streaming and Twitch and whatever's after Twitch. I don't think Twitch is the end all be all to like, but because Twitch is the place to go right now. Right. But they also just lost their biggest asset in Ninja, which was a huge story. Where they couldn't even maintain their their main asset, their biggest asset that they have, which is crazy. Mm. Yeah, especially because Amazon <laughs> and, owns them. It's like, what what are you it, doing, guys? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know how much Microsoft, I and mean, they probably played paid no joke, probably nine figures. Yeah, that's not that's not an exaggeration. They probably paid nine figures, and it's probably going to pay off for them <laughs> because in the long run. If you can get people over to your platform and all this, stuff, I, I'm getting into the weeds. Anyways, no, the point good. I'm making, you're good. you're good. The point that I'm making as far as Twitch goes is that's where the eyes are. People aren't going to be watching. I don't watch sports nearly as much as I used to because I find other things more interesting or more entertaining for me. Mm-hmm. There's sometimes where I'll end up watching like a Rocket League event or an Overwatch event instead of watching the Reds game. It happens a lot. Yeah. Because it's more interesting to me and it's more it's better produced, it's more interactive, it's like and that's where all the like the younger audience is. Yeah. And then once advertisers can recognize how valuable that is, it's about to become one of the most profitable things on the planet. It already is to a certain extent, but there's still a lot of things that need to fall into place. A lot of that goes into kind of the stigma of the entire thing. Yeah, it has, right? it has to kind of get mainstreamed a bit more. Like it's just, just it's in, getting there. Yeah. It's getting there. It's not there yet, but it's getting there, especially with the entire Fortnite World Cup thing where it's like, hey, this kid made $3 million. <laughs> I mean, he... he deserves it <laughs> yeah i'll tell you that yeah absolutely. If, if you i mean as like he's a, absurdly talented and the best in the world but still like that's a crazy amount of money and when you tell that to people it's kind of hard to ignore it's like it's like a similar boat to where pewdiepie was years ago where people were exactly. like who's this guy like why is he making millions of dollars but now it's like it makes sense and everybody kind of gets it because he's bringing the eyes yeah and that's what people want to watch and then people are like how is this kid making three million dollars in one weekend of Fortnite? Well, it's because that's what everybody's watching. There were over three million concurrent viewers watching that. Oh. That's crazy. Yeah. That's like that's absurd. And that's concurrent. Within the first thirteen hours of that full video being posted on YouTube, had fourteen million views. Yeah, that's insane. 
that's absurd. It's like yeah, it just topples any kind of cable, anything else, cable network or anything. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing else I can compare to that. And they're like, well, Tiger Woods made less at the Masters than this kid did playing Fortnite. Well, yeah, not as many people watch the Masters. <laughs> exactly. Like, like it's just, it's like just simple like economics. Like it, it's such a. But people don't get the stigma. Like you see all the clips on Twitter where people are like, well. These kids playing video games and living in their mom's basement. It's like, I don't think they can. They're like, oh, they turned it to a real job and all that like type of stuff. They treat it like a job. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen what the, yeah. the paydays that yeah. they're, these kids are getting? I have friends who make all their living off of Twitch. Right. Who just stream and they make more than enough to live off of. And they're not even like some of the best players in the world. They're just entertaining and they're good and people want to watch them. They build a community, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm working towards something of that sort on Twitch. It's not huge, but it's getting there. <laughs> you've got, yeah, you've got and, more followers than most people I know. Hey, it's, good. It's, it's, it's a work in progress. Yeah. And it's, but build, it's all about just building the community and people will come and support it. And it's it's pretty incredible. Like like So like as an example, like when I did the fundraiser I did, we raised thirteen hundred dollars in twelve hours. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. And if I did that on Twitter, there's no way I gain that kind of thing. But there's a different kind of like. I, does that make? Do you do you know what I mean? It's more. I, it, yes, absolutely. It's more integrated. People are following you. Like you're getting a much more uh, personalized uh, definitely like, thing. Like we're on Twitter. Twitter is is phenomenal for for building a personal brand that is stripped down into sound bites and very neat and tidy a little little clips of yourself and you can kind of like exactly. pick and choose what you what you want people to see what you don't want them to see yep. and it's bare minimal effort like i can spend you know <laughs> as much time as i want or not want you know like tweeting stuff but yeah. it doesn't really, it doesn't affect my it only it only affects my life insofar as my personal like sanity and my headspace whereas yeah, like no. twitch is a, an actual commitment where you're putting your body and your voice and your entire personality behind a screen and people that tune in are tuning in because of that which is a much more personal and integrated uh format for for building an audience and and getting anything done i mean you're much more likely to donate a dollar to someone when they're right in front of you speaking at you through a screen versus someone just throwing up a tweet that anyone could do and just be like hey trying to raise money for this would love some support like no one's seeing you and you're not seeing them in any kind of personal way so it's just a lot more disconnected yeah i don't i, I yeah it's 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 super it's super hard to explain to people too because i'm like oh yeah i'm making like a few hundred bucks on twitch and i have to try to explain it to my dad who does <laughs> who has a business who has three business degrees and does supply chain for a living He's like, why are people giving you money? <laughs> like, that, like that's like, and it's hard to answer that. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, I don't have a right. good answer. <laughs> right. And it's a, I, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where, I, am really interested to see how the next three to four years go with it, because it's either going to turn into the biggest industry in the world, which I think is the direction it's headed in, or it's going to end up shooting itself in the foot. And not being as big as it could be. And I think it's headed in the right direction, but it's going to be just one of those things that I am curious to see how it plays out. And I want to be on the cutting edge of it (laughs) because it's where the next 
thing is, and it's not going to be going away anytime soon. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it's it's a lot more, it, it's a tougher sell than YouTube per se, like when YouTube was first getting started. Definitely. Because YouTube was just seen as like, here's an alternative video platform. I mean, you could parallel it to television or whatever else. I mean, it was just like, here, upload your videos, and it's very cut and dry. Whereas Twitch is like, exactly. it's changing the entire paradigm of what it means to, to consume entertainment because now... We're not we're not just producing video content, uploading it, and then people enjoy it in their free time, whatever. Like now, it's a live experience that people are so you know cutting out time of their day, which is precious time. Like you you allude, and you alluded to this before. Like I wanted to to chime in. I, I forgot I was gonna say this earlier, yeah. man. You were kind of you mentioned how you know as you've gotten older, you know it's it's, it's become a lot more difficult for you to, to keep up with all these different sports. And there's all these different programs, yeah. and it's like it's like you're a microcosm of the the broader trend which is just the fact that it's 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 a cliche at this point but we're so inundated with information and options for entertainment that yep. it literally like like the traditional consumer like is dead like there's no there's no yeah. traditional consumer doesn't exist anymore yeah like they're, they're not unless being, you're 80 years old it's not existing well, anymore. that's what i was gonna say like they're, they're not being born anymore like they're still out True. there like older yes. generations but no one being born today will grow up to be a traditional consumer and that's the kind of problem when it comes to all this like like monetization and mainstreaming something like twitch and, and understanding the advertiser model because like all these traditional industries which have like largely control all of our media consumption like the the amazons of the world and the netflixes and these massive corporations and like you know your espns your foxes like all these are the companies that you know have either ruled for a really long time where they currently rule the whole space and they do so by controlling a very niche very specific mode of content like netflix controls video streaming you know like amazon yep. is now controlling is, twitch and I'll, it's interesting to see how netflix plays out that's one thing that i'm really curious to see how they do in the next like year yeah like if they stay on top or if another <laughs> yeah, i don't think they will yeah i, I don't mean, think that, i don't i don't think they will they're losing it man i mean like they, they like they, their value is going down like crazy especially once the new nbc thing comes out and the disney thing comes out yeah, yeah. like ah like last, if you look at I love I like measuring it by like if you look at last year's um what was it like the Emmys or whatever it was where yep. they like they tied HBO I think it was in terms of yep. like the the awards and that was a crazy thing because you know they're producing way more content than HBO they're way more relevant and all that so people were like oh damn like Netflix taken over but I'm pretty sure I don't know what the numbers were but I'm pretty sure this year HBO is uh, nominated for more than they were. And HBO puts out like not even a fraction of the amount of content that Netflix does. So like by Netflix any, like, just throws everything at the wall and hopes some of it sticks. Yeah, exactly. Whereas like like <laughs> places like HBO it's like actually committed to more quality programming and that, and that actually keeps people cuz like you you can tune in like I'll subscribe to HBO for a given month just to tune into a specific show. Right. Exactly. Sometimes like I'll sit and watch Silicon Valley. Like I'll sit and watch whatever. Like there's so many different things on HBO that are well, just incredibly well produced. Yeah. Whereas on Netflix, you can't just click on something and it's going to be good. Yeah, you're going to go through some shit shows. <laughs> exactly. On HBO, if you click on something, there's a 99% chance that you're going to click on something and it's going to at least be well made and well produced and a good show. Yeah, exactly. Which is you can't say the same about everything else. I like. I don't know. Like it's one of those things where if you like look at where the trends going for Netflix, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> and 
I, I'm curious to see how it plays out for them. And especially when you, like you said, where it's these huge corporations, Netflix is massive. Like Amazon is massive. Like there's all like the, all the little players. Eventually, you're gonna start to kind of like either a chip into that or b the other big players are gonna be like, well, we don't want to be left out of this. So now Disney's like, well, we'll just do our own thing. We don't need you. Right. It's like as soon as they smell <laughs> blood, they just jump. They're like, in. well, yeah. we don't need we don't need Netflix in order to distribute <laughs> our content. Why are we letting them do this when we could be making billions of dollars off of it? Yeah. I mean, and NBC's like, wait a minute, why are we doing this? The Office is the most popular show in the world. Why are we like letting them do this? This is bullshit. If, if dude, when when Netflix loses the Office, it's going to be very it's interesting. Gonna, <laughs> it's it's they're going to lose a lot of people. And I I, I enjoy the Office as a show. I hold the thought that it's been beaten into the ground to the point that I don't enjoy it as much anymore. Yeah. But it's still a very well-made show and I enjoyed it a lot the first couple times I watched it. Oh my god. <laughs> but, yeah. But like the value, like there's a lot of people who think it's the greatest show ever made and that it's unbelievable and that it's going to be no, and they want to watch it like hundreds of times. Dude, my wife has literally <laughs> rewatched the entirety of The Office. That's I think absurd. four four <laughs> times in the past three years. That's crazy. Yeah, so like it's a good show. I don't. I don't that, like. She's that customer for the for, it, like. Uh, it, but but there's a ton of value in that, and there's yeah. a lot of people like that. Yep, and. I mean, to lose something that valuable is going to be. I mean, it's it's easily the most watched thing on the platform. There's yeah. no question in my mind that that is the. It's got to be that and Friends, and aren't they losing Friends too? At yeah, some they're point? losing Friends. Well, they, yeah. they've like gone back. They keep getting it back. I think like there's like the like the. the I mean, they already lost the They already lost the one thing they had on me, which was Always Sunny. As soon as yeah, that was true. off, I think I can't. I think I canceled my subscription as soon as that went off oh, because man. I was like, I was like, there's no real like. That's the only thing that I really cared about, like having available to me, like on like an HD thing, like immediately. I was like, yeah, screw this. I'll just watch it, like on a fucking pirate thing. Yeah. But like, <laughs> like it, it's it's such a I don't know. Like it's it's one of those things where you look at the people who are behind it and are they going to be able to pull this out? I don't think they are, unless they're able to pull like some ridiculously good original content out of their ass. I don't see it happening. Well, and again, it kind of goes back to this whole idea of like living in this inundated information entertainment age where like a show like the office, it, it created a similar effect to, to like movies like Harry Potter or like yeah. the Marvel yeah. universe. Like th- these are things that people get so immersed. They're in. cultural events. Yeah, it's like, it, it, exactly. If you haven't seen it, then all of a sudden you're out of the know. Yeah. And, and, we're and see- that's, yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. I was just going to say like, we're seeing less and less of them. That's why they're becoming such hot commodity items because like, it's, yep. it's so much more hard to produce something on that level. Like, I mean, I think game of Thrones is probably one of the most recent ones. And like, I, it's, yep. it's big, but and it's not MC- as big as the office. It's MCU. It's MCU. It's game of Thrones. It's the office. The last we saw was what, like Breaking Bad, maybe? Yeah, like Breaking Bad had a similar one. I think. I mean, but it's like it's it wasn't the same level, but not like the same. Sit, but it's but it was but big. It was big. It was big. And then Harry Potter was probably the last huge one where it was like everybody's talking about. Yeah, like this. they and created like a theme park around it. <laughs> exactly. And Star Star Wars to an extent. Yeah, I see, think see, is those, are, those are old though. See, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, exactly. there's so yeah. many legacy not brands, like. <laughs> Like Marvel, Star Wars, like these are. This is where I'm going to give my pitch to make Mr. Robot the new, the new thing. <laughs> Dude, I everybody love go watch Mr. Robot. Everybody go watch Mr. Robot right now. I've been fucking promoting this show like it's the end of my like. It's just, like I own it. I've been like forcing people to watch it. 
Everybody watch Mr. Robot, please. I don't it's available on Amazon Prime. Popular. It's crazy. It's available on Amazon Prime for free if you have Amazon Prime. You have no excuse <laughs> to not watch it. Everybody has Amazon Prime. Hashtag ad for this podcast. I swear Mr. to God. <laughs> I will I will shill out my life for like Sam Esmail and what he's doing with that show. I've watched it like four or five times at this point. I'm doing another rewatch soon because it's that good. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. But I mean, it's it's, it's the best show on TV. Oh yeah, no, it, it's phenomenal. Okay, I I'll get off the. You're Mr. fine. Robert. Yeah, yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> just to tie it back, though, I mean, it is. It's it goes back to this idea, though, that I mean, these new models like Twitch, they're built on niche communities like yours like you're someone who's making hundreds of dollars by a small audience but that audience is locked in to you and it's 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 you can scale that up to someone like ninja and that's kind of the new the new field of advertising like eventually we're going to get to the point where there's very 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 few hot commodity enterprises like a harry potter marvel star wars like those those things are dying because it's so difficult to break to through the all attention. the clutter yeah it's like yeah. everybody's competing for attention so like what can you do like back if when the harry potter was the big thing there was what was the what was competition nothing there was Lord nothing of the rings that's it and like there Lord was of the rings, like a different audience like it wasn't yeah. the same. and those movies sucked oh like, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I mean, let's be honest. Those movies were not great. Harry Potter, you mean, right? Oh, boy. Oh, God. Yeah. I, there were some of those movies that were really good and others that were eh. Oh, dude, like rewatching? I just rewatched a couple of my wife. They're not as good on the rewatch. Yeah, I'll say yeah, that. Yeah. They're not as good on the rewatch. They're really good the first time you watch it, like after you read the books, and then you watch it, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, this is right. awesome. It and then you go life. back and you yeah. redo it, and you're like, this kind of sucks. Oh, I will say this, though. The books hold up on the re- on when you reread them. Yeah. They hold up. The movies do not, because the books are really well written. Dude, some of the CGI decisions that they made. Oh my god, it's so bad. Yeah, and like but you don't really think about it until like you're looking back on it, right? I guess, exactly. Where you're like, man, this is trash. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like some of the first movies have terrible CGI. Oh my god. But at yeah. the time, like when you first are like enjoying it, you don't really care. And it's like, like it's not kid, what the kid think. actors too don't help. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a mess, but no, that's. I was rewatching uh, Fetch with Ruff Ruffman this morning, oh, which yeah. I realize the audience that listens to this, unless they're my age, will not know what that is. And for those of you who don't know what that is, I'm going to let you look it up and figure it for yourself out. Figure it out for yourself because it's <laughs> a very good show that is marked targeted towards about nine year olds. And I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it in probably. 12 years and then i went back and and rewatched this one it was a great time dude kids shows are, are seriously like they hold up way better than most adults. way better than you'd expect yeah like it's like <laughs> like, like i was like man i expected this to suck and it's actually not bad it was semi-entertaining <laughs> like like <laughs> yeah it's, it's weird it's it, it has like it's like dual it's it's because kids shows have a dual life cycle like they have like the life yeah, cycle of, of of watching it as a kid and then watching it as an adult with kids and you, you get the you absorb the different life lessons and you get to be like oh yeah that that thing in hey arnold or spongebob where I just laughed at the absurdity exactly. of it as a kid. Now I see like what it was trying to teach me in a way, and that's like a really cool like multi layer. Those shows are way smarter than we give them any. Oh credit my god! For. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the of those are unbelievable. <laughs> it, it's it's awesome, and it's like like uh, and I actually think this is a good tie into what you're saying earlier, as far as like those huge brands, I guess 
is a good way to put it, like with yeah. The Office and MCU right. and all that. It's like Pokemon is maybe the biggest brand ever to be to ever to exist. Just for the sake of the international vibe and how big it was for so long and the fact that it's still relevant today to the point that they can put out a movie and make hundreds of millions of dollars. Think about how crazy that is. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> and then they put out a game and it's the big – remember when Pokemon Go was the biggest thing in the world for like yep. six months? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it was – that was six months. I miss those days. That was a simpler that was, time. That was crazy, the fact that that was – that held the attention of people for that long. <laughs> yeah. Like, like we don't fully recognize how crazy it is that that lasted as long as it did. I still can't believe that Pokemon Go, Go was the most popular thing in the world for that long. That's crazy to me. Well, it also, <laughs> it also tapped in. I mean, it was like the perfect storm where not only was it that sort of, uh, what do you call it, like the first person thing for your, like a game for your iPhone where it was actually like it was a first a, It was the first ARG type thing. That, that's and what, the AR, ARG. Yeah, it was it that was and Pokemon. Where it was like, hey, you want to play the game? You got to go somewhere. And yep. you're like, this is cool as shit. Yep. I'm going to go do that. <laughs> and and everybody was doing it. I remember going to like a park and there were like hundreds of people there. Yep. Yep. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Because it's like, <laughs> oh, there's a gym here. Like, do you realize how crazy that is? <laughs> like, yep. like, what on earth? Like, what were we, A, what were we doing? B, it was cool because everybody was there for like the same reason. And it was like one of those like kind of unique things that you don't always like get. And I, I, and I, and like Pokemon Go is the first thing to kind of tap into that on like a massive scale. Mm-hmm. And it's only going to get bigger. Like there's going to like Pokemon Go is just like the first thing. Man, I, I, ho- I hope something bigger. Oh, it's going to, I mean, there's, there's, there's going to be like inevitably there's going to be simply because of how popular that was. There's going to be something where it's like the next thing that ends up being huge. And it's going to be something similar to that. Yep. Just because the value thing, there's so much money to be made there. A, b- a bunch of like mega brain <laughs> slaves in Silicon Valley are just like, like oh, every yeah. day slaving away to like their corporate overlords trying to come up with the next big thing that's going to take over like that. Dude. Cause that was, it wasn't insane. I mean, like it was literally like millions of depressed millennials coming out of their house for the first time to like walk around and like feel the sunlight while they're doing something with other people. And it just, yeah. Everybody was posting about it online. Like, what is happening? Like, this is the first time I've seen people in my town outside. And, like, not, you know what I mean? Not literally. You see people around, but not at that level of just, like, it felt like entire towns were coming together. And there's, like, like young people, old people. It was just, like, a crazy moment. I, I really actually missed that period. It was, it was fun. Yeah. It's super interesting, though. Yeah. <laughs> that word is in the weeds on Pokemon Go. It's great. <laughs> I don't know, like, dude, I mean, we can, uh, we can, I don't, I don't want to, like, put a cap on that, because we can go off if, if there's any uh, other, like, particular... Not leg. on that topic. I'm good. If I have, if I come up with something, I'll bring it up. Okay, cool, yeah, because, like, we can, we can tie stuff back into it, but I, I, definitely. I definitely wanted to, before we got, like, too uh, down the rabbit trail, I wanted to at least yes. ask you about, because I remember, I forget exactly when it was, it had to be at least, like, six months ago, though, when you had that whole incident where you had, like, your kind of anxiety yeah trip and all that and like and you were like kind of sparingly dming me and other people about what was going on like you'd put out like yeah. a tweet once in a while but i have no idea what the full 
content. Yeah, I'm happy to was. talk about it. Yeah, yeah, get, I, get I, into it. Whatever. So I haven't, with. I haven't talked about it like crazy publicly, and it's not because I don't want to. It's just that I kind of wanted to give it time, and I'm in the process of writing something that kind of is like a full. Cool, length cool. thing about what goes on, but I mean, I want to talk about it because it's it's easier to talk about it than it is to write about it, obviously. Yeah. So like, ah, man, this was like almost last November, September. So it's almost been a full year now. Yeah. Wow. Which is crazy. So essentially, I was I was in a job where I was underqualified and struggling, and it there were a lot of situational things that were not going well, and then there was school on top of it that wasn't going well. And there were a lot of things that were kind of hitting. There were a lot of things that played into it. I won't get into all of it. There were a lot of things that played into it. And then I just kind of, there was just one day where, like, and I, I was struggling with anxiety. I've struggled with anxiety for a long time. But it kind of hit, like, a panic attack level. Mm-hmm. And then I was, like, kind of freaking out because it was on the highway and I didn't know what to do. And I was like, okay, never experienced this before. Oh, yeah. And it was it was really bad. And then I basically drove myself to a hospital. Was like, I'm not okay. <laughs> mm. And then I and then I ended up, uh, long story short, going into an inpatient program for about a month just to kind of like get it together. Not like not like in a get it together kind of way, but kind of just like as a like a reset for me. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I was in a position where I was able to do that, and uh, nothing crazy in my life was like off, but it was one of those experiences that really kind of puts everything into perspective where you're kind of understanding, okay, here's how things can be handled. Here's how things can, instead of focusing on all the, like, especially when you look at all the like suicides that are happening, all the things that are like, I don't know how closely you know about Etika or any of those things that happened where it was the, these huge Influencers and these huge people are all just like massively struggling with mental health. And I think that there is a trend to that. And it's not like one of those things where it's like, oh, I have anxiety. No, it's like there's uh, a lot that people don't realize. And I'm not saying that I'm like privy to it. I'm just saying like I get it. So that entire process for me was probably about a month, month and a half and put me in a position where I was like, okay, I know what I need to do. I made changes. I moved out of my parents' house. I put myself in a position where I'd be have less uh, stress on a daily basis. And I'm, I'm getting back into a situation where, so like I've been editing for YouTube for a few people who I wish I'm really happy with as a job. And there's a few things that I've been doing to kind of move into the next step of going back to school. And now I'm kind of in a position where I'm able to work my way back into kind of what I was doing, but in a way that is way more healthy mm. because I was going about it in a way that was, not <laughs> because I, I, I've never been, I, so I was really good at school up until the point where you had to try, mm. you know what I mean? I was like really good at so school. You were naturally talented, try. are you saying? Naturally talented. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Like, and I'm not saying it to be like, Oh, look at me. No, I'm saying no, like, totally. yeah, I, I get it. school came to me easily and I had a lot of like natural ability as far as like math and things like that. But then as soon as it came to like push comes to shove, I, I don't handle that well. And that, showed its head for a while when I was in school. I just wasn't succeeding in college, like, at all. Like, I've been to four or five semesters now and have, like, a semester and a half worth of credits to show for it. Hmm. And a lot of that is just due to, like, as soon as I struggle in a class or as soon as I have something that I forgot to do, I, I shut down. And I did that for a while. And I've gotten better with it, like, way better with it, because 
like I had to work through it and it all kind of like works now for me because I figured out ways to kind of manage it for a while. There would be times where I just like, as soon as I messed something up in a class, I couldn't handle the fact that I like failed at something. And then I would just like not go to the class. Oh yeah. I know that feeling. And, and the problem with that is (laughs) when you don't go to the class, you don't do well in it. Yep. (laughs) Shocker there. I know, (laughs) but it, it, it's it's a difficult thing to talk about because you're like, yeah, I fucking sucked at school for a while. That's tough to talk about because it's something that's like weird to admit. But it's something that's important to me because I want to make sure that like there's people who have met, reached out to me and been like, yeah, thanks for talking about that. I appreciate that somebody else is like going through something similar and gets it. And if there's somebody that can help, then I'm all for it. Tell me, I don't know. It's it's. It's a it's a super weird topic to kind of talk about on a platform a lot, but it's a good thing to talk about. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's know. like you don't want to. <laughs> no, I totally get it, man. It's like you don't want to be. You don't want you don't want to seem like you're kind of victimizing yourself. Or exactly, it's a weird much. balance. Oh, I hate balance. it. Cause I, cause I went through the same exact thing. Like I, I had a like a mental breakdown in 2012, and I was dating this girl uh, at the at the time. And there was all these. I was working at this job that I really enjoyed, and pretty much everything fell apart when this happened. I mean, like I, yep. like I, I it was it kind of triggered um, my my ability to eat. Like it was like a stomach. Yep throat anxiety type of thing so like i was having a hard time swallowing and i ended up losing a ton of weight um like similar to you i mean there's like i was taking i think five or six classes at the time and there was like two of them that i had to push myself to get and they just overwhelmed me instantly like i remember one of them Mm -hmm. was a uh, like a logic class and logic is so much math and i'm so bad at math and Mm -hmm. i remember like it was like the third or the fourth class getting in there and realizing that the previous class, I didn't understand what was going on, and that the, when the next one, this pr- current one started, I had no clue what the teacher was talking about, and I, like, I get such bad anxiety that I literally just got up and walked out of the class, and then just never went back. And it was yep. like I, I would go. I would literally drive. I remember because I was um I would <laughs> drive to the class with uh, the girl I was dating because she was going to school too. And she'd go to class, and I would literally go to this class and then just walk out of the class and like be on my laptop yep. for the rest of the class because I couldn't sit in there. And then it was like a guilt thing, like yep. you're saying, like because then you feel yep. like oh, oh yeah. shit, like I'm wasting all this money. Like <laughs> yep. what am I oh, doing? Trust me. I'm fully aware of that. Oh I my god, it. it's so embarrassing. And like yeah, yeah like, how do you talk to your friends talk- and family about it then? It's like impossible. It's very- it's very difficult, and it's one of those things that when you, yeah, I mean, there were times where I would go down to, like, because I would commute for a while, and I would just sit in the parking lot, mm. like, because I was like, I can't, like, handle this, like, and I would know that, and it sucked, because you hate that feeling. Yeah. It's not something that you, you some people are like, oh, like, you're skipping class, but it's not an enjoyable thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's not it's, something where I feel good doing it, especially since, like, it's my money. Like <laughs> I'm spending <laughs> a ton of money on like nothing. And that's, that's a tough thing. And once you kind of come to terms with that and kind of, I don't know, it took, it took a long time for me to kind of even kind of become okay with it and work towards a solution, moving towards the next thing. And, for me. and it's also not like a sexy thing to complain about. Like there, like this is, this, I don't want to make this sound too. Well, you know, 
like there's certain man fuck this is like weird to talk about but i mean there's certain subjects online and obviously i'm not taking away anything from people's sincerity like there's a ton of people that are going through serious problems and they want to they want to share their experiences about those problems online with other people and that's phenomenal i've done that we've all done that that's fine but there's certain struggles and things that are, are a lot easier and more acceptable i think to project yeah. online like I mean, one of them is like mental health stuff like anxiety depression. definitely and like and and in and years prior it wasn't like in years prior it was super stigmatized and like no one could talk about it but now like you can't go a day on twitter without seeing somebody being like you know my anxiety my depression and it's great because like now we can talk we can about normalize. it yeah. And, and, yeah normalize it. it's phenomenal but with that i mean there's other subjects and circumstances that aren't as uh, relatable or sexy and like i know for me and you you can chime in and let me know if you felt similar but i know for me part of the the thing with this whole school was like um i come from a very privileged background personally like not just from like mm-hmm. a socio like a socioeconomic standpoint but just from like a personal standpoint like anyone who grew up grew up knowing me like i've always had a good group of friends like i always like see, at least on the outside looking in seemed like i had it together yeah. you know like yeah, i was definitely. i was friends with a lot of uh like addicts growing up and it was just funny cuz it was like it was a constant like mirror comparison where like my like the people that knew me would like look at me in comparison to like my like drug addict friends and they'd be like oh like Nathan's got it all together and it was like yeah, this exactly. weird weird thing where then it's like kind of p- puts you on this like social pedestal so for for something like school like when I was having my uh, panic disorder and like I was literally like, I had to drop out of um two classes i think it was where i just like took the f because it was like past the time where you could withdraw or whatever and i just like was too like out of my mind to to go through the, the right processes so like when i did that and messed up that bad i mean i was so guilty about it because it's one of those things where in my mind like i'm thinking oh it would be so great if i could just be honest with my friends and family about this and, and be able to talk about it without feeling embarrassed but there was this weird stigma there that's like oh he's this like privileged guy who's got it all going on like what is what could possibly be his excuse to to letting that happen like there's so many people out there who would kill for an opportunity you know to go to school or be doing what he's doing like like how what is his right to complain in a way and at least that was like in the the mindset of myself at the time like i look back at that now and i'm like okay that was kind of dumb to think but i mean like that societal pressure is real like even if it is just like a social thing like it's absolutely like it it it, um, manifests in a real way when you're someone in like a specific circumstance trying to express yourself and you already know how other people judge similar people in those circumstances so you're kind of like oh shit like what is okay for me to express or not express in this situation so like i don't know if you felt similar at all there was like a terrible mental time for me to be no yeah i know what you're saying definitely because i have a similar situation where i had a good group of friends i had a family that was well off and had a stable home and all that kind of stuff so it is one of those things where you're kind of like i I get what you're saying 100 percent. yeah so like in terms of how your um like your anxiety kind of built up went during like the school struggle kind of burnout time time period i mean was there another like looking back and kind of like psychoanalyzing yourself i mean was there another 
uh, like competing factor involved, do you think, that kind of triggered everything? Like, was it a relational thing? Was it existential? Was it circumstantial? Like, was there anything else kind of on top of, like, the here and now school part of it that led you to kind of just losing your mind, essentially? Uh, I think that there was a, a few things that kind of led into it. And I think that part of it was the pressure I put on myself to kind of be like, oh, I'm good at school. Mm. And I come from a family that's good at school, so I should be good at school. And when I wasn't, that's kind of a tough thing to kind of accept. Mm. And you kind of push it away rather than face it head on. And it's a lot of avoidance tendency things. And also it's a lot of it is – family background and family like when like my mom's a school teacher (laughs) my dad has three like degrees two master's degrees like all that type of stuff right yeah so there's kind of that education is very important (laughs) so that's it's it's a difficult thing to kind of be i don't know you you get what i'm saying i think totally and that definitely plays into it a lot at least for me Oh, man. So in, in that time period, I guess, then, when you were trying to, to work through it all and get past it, I mean, for you, was there a specific, I guess, key or, or way out of it? I mean, like, I, well, here's the thing. <laughs> I didn't. And that's why I had a breakdown. And <laughs> then I kind of had to work my way back into figuring out what those were for me, mm. because I didn't know what to do and I didn't know how to handle it healthily and I didn't know how to handle it like in a way that was effective. So then it all fell apart and then I kind—I of, had to kind of pick up the pieces and figure out from there how to make it actually work because I'm still working on it. But <laughs> yeah. like I there's like I, I didn't figure it out. That's the answer. And uh, I don't know. Like it's it's something that. I hope that I haven't figured out to a certain extent. If I don't, I'm sure I will eventually. <laughs> well, we'll put it put it this way then. Like when you look at your your kind of day to day schedule with what you do now, like you're on Twitch, <laughs> you're doing this this work for editing like other streamers yep. and whatnot. Like you got you got some cool stuff going on that you're enjoying. Definitely. So like when you look at what you're doing in that that regard, I mean, is that do you, do you find that to be like an escape or therapeutic or is that just kind of like, a, like, uh, you know what I mean? Like it, I, to a certain extent, yes, because it's what I really enjoy doing. So it makes it easier, especially if it's stuff that I'm getting paid to do. Yeah. Right. Like it's stuff like it's stuff I enjoy doing. And now that I'm kind of getting into the swing of it, it, it makes it something that I can get the creative outlet that I've kind of needed for a while, which is really nice. Um, because I'm kind of, not slacked on it, but just purposely not had a creative outlet, especially on like Twitter for a while where I'm not just like constantly trying to create content and I'm, I'm fine with that. But like, it's also cool where I'm like, Oh, I'm able to help another person make some really cool stuff. Right. And that's a unique thing that I'm glad I'm able to be a part of honestly. (laughs) But it's more like, I guess, so so you're, you're saying like, it, it kind of feels more like it's enjoyable, but it's not seen as like a, uh, like, I, I don't know how to frame this. I mean, like, you can kind of, like, categorize it in two ways. I mean, I like to think of there's certain things that I could do. Because I still, like, I struggle with, like, the residual effects of anxiety, depression, and all that. Like, I, Definitely. I feel it. It doesn't of, just go away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It never really just, like, disappears. But, like, you know, you, you can kind of get to part points of your life where it's either under more control or it's better or it's worse. And, like, for me right now, it's definitely better. But there are certain things that if I don't 
take care of them like it'll just come back really quick you know like i have to for me personally like there's there's things like working out and meditating and getting outside and like and actually like for, oddly enough for me one of them is doing work but it has that yeah. like weird uh like backlash effect like where you if i'm working too much then it can lead to an anxiety attack like that because if i'm like too deep in what i'm doing and using it as like pure escapism then like when you come back to reality it's like oh man like it's like a big drop of just existential dread but other oh, times sure. but, yes. other, but other <laughs> times it can be a good focus to kind of like keep my head straight and keep me going so i mean like in so far as like whatever tools you've been able to to muster together i mean like do you have anything in specific that helps keep you on track or are you more just kind of like going day to day and then you know the things that are kind of like therapeutic so like it's more just like knowing how to handle it if i do get overwhelmed mm. i guess is how i handle it which may not be the best way to do it but it is kind of how i do it at this point because i'm not an overly organized person like by nature i'm more like just kind of go with what i am working on at the time focus on that and then move to the next thing i don't really like plan out days or plan out stuff or any of those type of things which is not a great quality but like <laughs> something i'm working on and so basically i just kind of know okay i'm struggling right now step away for a little bit go do something else like go outside go do whatever go do something other than work on trying to bang your head into a wall working on the same thing mm. and that's like a big thing for me is like knowing when to walk away i guess is a very important thing for me personally because i can get obsessive about working on things and then I spend eight hours on something that should take two hours. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that's, like, difficult for me. So I don't know. I, that's that's If I have an answer, it's probably, like, just knowing when to be able to, like, switch gears. Yeah. Because that's not always the easiest thing. Ah, oh, man. And it sucks, too, because, I mean, you can only – I don't know. Like, it's one of those things where I think for people who either don't have anxiety or never have or maybe they've gotten past it – there's a certain uh, level of understanding, like, your own personal toolbox, I guess, of, like, how you personally work through things. And that toolbox almost always looks different for everybody. Like, there's certain kind of fundamentals you can you can throw around, like, you know, try to eat healthy food, try to exercise, try to get, you know, a, a regular amount of sleep every night. Like, there's the kind of fundamentals. But then, like, once you get past the fundamentals, and, uh, and many people who do get past them still struggle with anxiety, depression, whatever, it gets really difficult to pin down, like, what are the tools that are going to help kind of get you through this thing. And it, and it sucks because, like, there's not in like an equal footing of access for people like i know it took me like in the, in the years past i mean i went to probably four different therapists and like counselors who were like just to try to help me through the anxiety depression stuff and it, that was like my first impression of that entire uh, industry or field whatever and yep. I, 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 <laughs> I can relate to that yeah and, and i got a terrible impression like i was just yep, like, same. I, I, I felt like it wasn't until it was... my most it wasn't until my most recent therapist that i really was like oh this can be helpful oh my god dude holy yeah. shit yeah i really this is this is great well that's, that's, <laughs> right? literally, that's like... literally what i was gonna say like i the, <laughs> if, if i had only if i'd given up i guess after those first few years i mean that would have really screwed my entire perception of the industry over because i went into those sessions like I, i'd vent what I was feeling and thinking and the therapist would just like nod, take notes and then be like, yeah, you seem to like, 
you know, get it. Like, you seem to have a good grasp on the situation. And I'm like, okay, that's, like, a good... I guess initial analysis, but like, what do we do now? Like, what are what are the next steps? And like, and this most recent one that I had is just so phenomenal. And he literally, like, my wife and I joke all the time that like he actually like saved our marriage because like yeah. we before prior yeah. to getting married, we um had this like blowout fight like about. It's always a good thing. Yeah, yes. it was great. Like like <laughs> like a year or so before we got yeah. married, and uh, it was horrible. It was like it was like an accumulation of like a ton of. Like, yeah, like just, yeah. got buried issues, you know, like between like our. That's always like, good. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of all. It Remember all this came, thing from two thousand six. Yep, it all. Well, came I didn't to the know surface. you yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, you tapped into it, <laughs> uh, and uh, and we went to this guy, and it was just he literally like we we did individual sessions and then like together with him, and it was just he asked all the right questions and it was phenomenal. And it sucks because, you know, where he lives, it's kind of, like, remote. Like, I, it's kind of a hike for us, like, let alone a lot of the people that we know. And uh, it always gets me thinking, like, when other people come to me with stuff of, like, whether it's anxiety, depression, panic, disorder, whatever it might be, and they're like, oh, what do you do? And then my first thought is, okay, well, you know, outside of the basics, like I laid out before, you want to find a good therapist and a good support group of friends. Like, those are two of the most important things in my view like having a loving group of people that you can talk to about stuff and they can kind of be there and then also someone to actually walk you through what you're going through and every time i'm struck with the hard reality that for most people those aren't readily available resources in like any capacity like like most people they especially like the older you get it gets harder to maintain really intimate relationships with people and like yep. and also just have the resources to know like where do you even start with finding the right therapist i mean like that entire process is like a hell cycle unless you know the right people the right connects the right references and all that and man it's just it sucks having to talk to so many people struggling with this stuff and just knowing you know so much of it is, is it comes down to luck like literally just like being lucky enough to be in a certain circumstance a certain geography where you have access to the right people in a way to, to help you through it because i mean if you don't i mean that's like a huge you know strike against you and like and actually getting past it because like you said it's not it's not something that just goes away so like the only way to to manage it in a productive and like ongoing way that where you're actually getting like incrementally better is to have those support bases in place and it, and it just sucks because it's it's not not easy to find them in the first place yeah i oh man i strongly agree with pretty much everything you said and what's what's really i'm trying to think of a good way to put it a lot of people discount therapy almost immediately because they have a bad experience with the first time they they go mm-hmm and then they try again, and it's not great. And they try again, and it's not great. And then all of a sudden, they're like, why do people go to therapy that's just useless? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, sometimes you just don't find the right fit until it's too late. It took me until I went to my first, like, male therapist and sat down with him and talked to them. I'm like, holy shit, this is, like, great. Because every, every therapist up to that point had been female. And for some people, that works. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't. No, like, no, I get it. That's yeah, the point. Totally, but, like, totally. but, like, it took until I was, like, there. I was like, oh, he gets it. Yeah. And he's not trying to like force something on me or do it. Like I was like, Oh, this is great. I'm a fan of this. And then I'm like, I'm going to keep doing this. And uh, and it's been good. I, I think that like, I don't know. It, it's, it's something that's super interesting when you see people talk about therapy and 
how that's handled online. It's become a lot less stigmatized in the last probably three to four years, oh but God, it used yeah. like way less, but still, I don't know. I get what you're saying for sure though. It doesn't like what you're saying. I agree with almost all of it. Cause I've had probably a similar experience to you. Part of the problem is just the fact that therapists are people too. And like people, even though they're professionals, there's a lot of therapists who, you know, not, not that they're, I don't want to say they're driven by a bottom line, but like a lot of therapists are, intimately connected with like uh, psychiatrists and they have like a very specific line of, of like strategy like if you go to their um like their psychology profile online you can kind of see yep. what their expertise is and they kind of like everyone has like their 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 bits like their their kind of go-to strategy and oftentimes like when you go to someone and it's not the right strategy like they'll try to project onto you like what they think is the right one and if you're not feeling it it gives you this like really weird taste where like they're kind of forcing or trying to force something onto you that is inauthentic in a way and like like you said i mean it, it being able to connect with the person on like a real genuine level is the first step to to being able to get anywhere in therapy like you gotta trust the person and and, feel and that like takes time yeah that takes lots just, of time yeah and like and if you don't feel that initial like spark where like you actually like they can they could get you then it's like it feels like a hopeless endeavor yeah so the bottom line of all this is if you want to go to therapy go to therapy but don't give up on it immediately also give it time yeah yeah absolutely man go to therapy if you're listening to this podcast you probably need therapy <laughs> I mean, if we're being completely honest with ourselves if you sit and if you sat here and you've listened to this whole thing there's a strong likelihood that you were in need of therapy if you're not already i'm convinced everybody needs therapy <laughs> which is why oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i that yeah. <laughs> after after people started to come to Stakem's Twitter account for therapy yep. advice, I was like, "Oh my god, this is an epidemic." Just wait until they wait until they go to the CBD gummies. Uh, ask after, that'll be a good bit. Oh god, that'll be great. That'll be even better. It's like, hey, you want, you want an even better thing? Oh god, man. how about this? Yeah, it's the whole holistic community, which is like a whole different beast. In in that, uh, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> oh, that's great, man. It's so weird. So uh, the online world is so bizarre. It's so bizarre so how that's that's how we found each other, isn't it? Like you started, yep. you found the Stakem account, and then yeah, yeah. yeah. We just, <laughs> that was back when Stakem was not huge. Yeah, it was, it was before like, the not big. Pop. big. Yeah, it was like what you. Had, I mean, it was like a few thousand followers, but it wasn't anything like it was. It was during the verified Stakem yep. push, the very beginning. Yeah, it was like it was like during that entire animal which was a whole thing in and of itself which was hilarious simpler time man i still need hey by the way i still need my steak i'm sure i never got my steak i'm sure i expect one in the mail by the you time you never got a shirt i never got a shirt oh my God. i never got a shirt <laughs> okay here, here's the scoop let me right, give you this my address let me it give is- you the scoop oh my <laughs> it's okay what happened was there was like hundreds and hundreds okay no not hundreds thousands there were thousands of people that wanted shirts and all that because it was that was one of the driving factors I would say in getting people to give a shit about the account was like we did so many just like free merch giveaways and like everybody be like oh who who doesn't want free stuff like of course and it's Stakem it's just funny and iconic and ironic and all that so when we got all the stuff in stock we had no idea that we'd end up shipping out as many as we did and it got to the point where we ran out of every size except for. 2xls and i think smalls or something like that oh yeah and then it was like oh well 
I, like most of the people that were coming in, we didn't have their sizes, so it's like, oh, we'll just wait till like the like the the company produces more. And it was one of those things where like it kept getting pushed off like each month, but then other projects got piled on, and they just never did. So it was like we were like constantly getting backlogged with people that were like, oh, where's my shirt? We'd be like, oh, like next month we should be getting them produced, and then every month it would just get put off, and then finally <laughs> it just fizzled out to nothing. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Uh, I felt oh, terrible, man. So many disappointed people just to this day, like, where's my shirt? <laughs> that's amazing. I'm just giving you a hard time. No, man. I, no, that's like, you were like an OG. Like, you should have one. That's so disappointing. <laughs> I'm so mad at myself. <laughs> it was like all my responsibility. I blame, just blame Steve, man. Oh, just yeah, true. Steve. True, true. That was a great, that was a, to be fair, that was a great bit for a while. <sighs> yeah, man, that was a fun one. I had I had him on the podcast, the guy, Bob. That yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah, I've listened to it. It's awesome. He's it's a, great. He needs to have his own podcast, man. He's a funny dude. <laughs> like, oh, my God. He, he played that character so goddamn well. I know. It he was loved impressive. It. Yeah, he like he seemed to be genuinely enjoying it too, which was awesome. He really did, and like he's literally he went to school. I for, I forget his exact degree. It was like creative writing or something like that. So he, oh, like, he used every extent of it. Yeah, it's like all about like. He was time. like, I'm gonna build my build a whole world <laughs> <laughs> that is built around this fake character who has one stock photo. And I'm gonna build everything around this. Oh my god! Yeah, that's yeah, he was the best. I miss him. I, I hope I get to work with him again because he seriously is like such a talented writer. And you know, it's you don't you don't come across people like that every day. Cause, like it's 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 people you can find people that that come from like marketing and communications degrees all day that are just like irking you know for a job. But it's really tough yeah. to find a natural. Talent. funny person yeah like and yeah not just funny but like someone who's like really just like creatively talented in a lot of ways like I definitely feel like some people can write really good like tweets but they don't it doesn't translate to other mediums at all you know and it's like it's good to have someone who can do it all but definitely but yeah man just kind of like okay we can kind of wind down and swing back yeah. a bit you know, let's was, wrap it up folks very interesting like i guess let's let's kind of like swing back to here because obviously you know so much of what your personal brand and, and life revolves around is this this sports element of internet culture Definitely. which is like not like it, when i think of and this this might this, this obviously just speaks to my own kind of echo chamber biases or whatever but when i when i think of uh internet culture as a term and as an understanding like i think of the different um like media outlets that write about it and the and the people that are kind of contained within it like i think of you know the verge and buzzfeed and mashable and and all these kind of like newer media sites and then you get your weird twitter personalities and your joke twitter writers and you have all these and then you got like a bunch of like meme creators on youtube and all that and you have all these kind of like competing personalities that kind of make up what what is generally understood as this blob of of internet culture and it's kind of ranging and and it's all over the place we kind of all get it roughly when you when you say those words but i mean sports twitter and like online the online sports world is kind of its own beast almost like outside of what people generally consider internet culture like when you look at a lot of the most popular personalities within like the spaces that you and i are in there's not a lot of people that their focus is on sports or like the the yeah. subcultures so like when i when i talk to someone like Definitely. you it, it really does feel like i'm i'm speaking to someone with a very specific understanding and expertise yeah. of an area that like i just don't i personally don't understand fully like i remember 
going to to like certain subreddits for Barstool and like the NFL and like these are massive, massive communities and like I am like at a total loss for most of the references and it's all just very siloed, like in its its own world, which people on the outside just don't really get. So I mean like you kind of you've alluded to a lot of this throughout the conversation, just kind of some of the the complexities and the misconceptions that are involved with with like that community at at large, because obviously it is big and there's different ones within the different sports categories. But if you had to like, I don't know, not not give like an elevator pitch, but if you had to like explain what the online sports culture is like to somebody from the outside and like kind of oh work through the, the some of the misconceptions. All that right, people this is have. perfect. Like like just have you ever have you ever uh, seen a a 13 year old kid wearing like a bill a flat bill hat and you're walking down the street and you're like, that kid looks kind of scary. That's, <laughs> that's sports Twitter. Anytime you're being insulted by somebody on sports Twitter, you're likely being insulted by a kid who looks like that the majority of the time. Yeah. Now the other times you get a decent group of people that are all like great. But again, anytime that you get anybody who's like profile picture is like an NBA player or something. The odds of them being like a fourteen-year-old white kid from Boston is like through the goddamn roof. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So so okay. <laughs> On that note, though, okay. So this this kind of ties into like what one of my biases about <laughs> sports culture, which it which is the fact that you know like when we talk about like what constitutes someone being extremely online, quote unquote, like someone yes. who really gets and, and sp- Nick Mullen, yeah, yes, spend yeah, exactly, spends all day. On Twitter, on, on Cometown, yes, whatever yes. it is, just R like, slash Cometown, just, yes, <laughs> just, yes, exactly, just in these deep communities, right? Like that's, that's what we that's what we think of. Fuck, man. Yes, but, no, but I can't. No, we can't start talking about because then I'll get a huge tangent. No, yeah, we got, we're just ignoring. We can't do that. Look, people, we can't do people, that. People can look it up if they're interested. It's fine. Yeah, we. I, I can't do that on this podcast. <laughs> I may have people I know who listen to this, and I can't talk about that. No, I I, I understand. Me too. It's, <laughs> that's like a that's a that's beast. Right. That's a beast in itself. Self, where it's like, where do you even start? You like, can't. That's how do you best. even start you to explain Cometown to a normal no, person? No, you can't. Like you can't. And you it's like, can't. yeah, like there's, there's no good way to explain it. It's one of those things that you just don't talk about. <laughs> and it's just like, but there's like a lot of people who listen, like a crazy amount of people yeah, listen. It's huge. Nobody talks about it because it's like, I don't know if I should talk about this or not. <laughs> like, <laughs> because you don't know what the response is going to be. Oh boy. Okay. But, yes. but all, all that to say. I'm just saying. So, like, my my preconceived bias is that just given <laughs> given how mainstream sports are in general, right? Like, yeah. sports yeah, yeah. are about as mainstream as like, and I, by that I mean like baseball, you know, football, but soccer, etc. These are very global phenomena that that are on like a mass scale everywhere, pretty much. And that means to me, as someone who works in these kind of like more niche subcultures online that yeah. most of the the fans and the people who are interacting with even even like like Barstool would probably be like the most extremely online contingent of yes. that whole category yes, but even would, even even within that though like the people that, that I probably focus on that like the people who are going to Barstool every day they're not really going to that many other 
kind of like uh, like hobbies or yeah. sort like someone like me if I log on like I'm following tons of different types of YouTubers and Twitch yeah. streamers like from political stuff to memes to history to like all these different and and like uh, like specific like um like politicians online and all that like there's very specific uh, subcultures that I'm into but with the people that go to the online world for sports it's a very bare minimum user who's just like i'm logged in to my account and i follow a b and c sports and a b and c athletes and that's where i'm gonna go so like does is that stereotype correct at least in the most cases like you said yeah for the most part yeah well like i would say that like it's not everything but i would also say like a lot of the time that's the case yeah it's a lot of like average people that are online following sports yeah correct okay Yes, I just called all of you average. <laughs> Obviously, like you, you can dig it down, like from like the bar stool level to like the Twitch level, and like every every rung, you get more extremely online. But just like the mass, you know, media, the people that just follow like NFL, NBA, et cetera, like most of those people are just there for that. Just like just like the people who only go on Twitter for politics like it's like a lot of suburban exactly. moms and shit it's just like yes. the yes. people that are retweeting you know everything that like i don't know like uh like elizabeth warren says or something like that it's just yeah, like, exactly okay, it's the same it's, people it's who are only on t- i almost would say it's almost a very similar thing to the people who are only on twitter for politics yeah there's a lot of people who are only on twitter for sports that makes total sense. or like only people only on twitter for news yeah right right okay yeah. I, I always had that bias. I, just, I was never sure because, like, like I said, when I talk to you, like, I've, I've kind of tried to do some digging on my own, and like, I've found some of these deeper corners. But most of those communities, they're all so massive, and like, when, huge, when, when you, when, like, when you go to like the, the Reddit, the subreddits for like for um, the NBA or the NFL, R slash R slash NBA is one of the best communities on the internet, and I stand by that. They have some of the funniest motherfuckers on the planet. I'm at. It, like anytime like you may not know this, but almost any time that you see like memes, like like copy pastas and stuff, mm-hmm. there's a like extremely high likelihood that it was started on the R slash NBA subreddit. Oh, the yeah. amount of things the amount of things that have come out of just specifically R slash NBA is absurd. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like it is hilarious. Like you would never guess it too. It's yeah. it's incredible. That's great. Yeah. So like, yeah. And you, and you get into like even even Reddit. I mean, you have to have some some level of internet literacy to even know what Reddit is or like how to navigate it. So I mean, you got to think. There's millions. Ten, like in some like I don't know how big the uh, NFL one is or the NBA one is, but there, there's college least, football is the second biggest one for I was, sure. I was gonna say yeah. Like these have millions, if not like over ten yeah. plus million subscribers in a lot of cases, and and yeah, like it's just it's just its own beast and it's its its own beast yeah okay man are you a different beast but the same animal (laughs) the fuck does that mean kobe bryant (laughs) it's one of my favorite videos ever oh man dude sports like sport like athletes i'll say this i'll say this Stephen a smith transcends everything Stephen a smith is supposed as well i just as an entertainer he's one of the most entertaining people on the goddamn planet and i will stand by that (laughs) as long as i live Oh my god! I was like looking through some of his old tweets the other day because there was a podcast who, that, that I listened to, ironically a Barstool podcast, which is one of the few good Barstool podcasts left. And it's like four hours long every time they do one because it's just they it's just two guys just talking. Yeah, it's awesome. But like <laughs> he had a tweet where from where, let me find it really quick because I retweeted it today because it's an unbelievable tweet. It said the Stephen A. Smith show on 710 ESPN LA comes on 9 to 11 p.m. tonight. We will not 
in all caps, discuss Kobe Bryant. We will, comma, however, comma, discuss the homosexual. <laughs> there is no context to what the tweet is. Oh we've been God. we've been trying to figure it all day. There is no this was in 2011. Oh He's like, my you try God. to call me up to discuss Kobe Bryant. We will not discuss it. However, and I'm it, it, like, there's things like that where his old tweets are some of the finest things on the planet, planet because the internet was a different place in 2011. Yeah. Twitter was a different place in 2011. That's why everybody the, deletes their old tweets. And the fact that Stephen <laughs> A. Smith just doesn't delete his old tweets is awesome because yeah. it creates stuff like this that's still like, how did he get away with tweeting that? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, how is that tweet like still up? Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. He's just he's it's, in that same uh, that vein of just not giving a shit like uh, like Dave uh, Portnoy. I mean, it's just like the yeah, same. It's just my favorite it's is unabashedly, like yeah. <laughs> there was like just FYI, findyourlove.com is not an advice website. It is a dating website with pictures and everything. Disgusting. Like what? It's awesome. <laughs> it's it, it's like it's like. Uh, no, it was locateyourlove.com is what it's called. Oh it's awesome. It, like, there's old tweets like that that are just incredible. They're, oh, man. I'm not kidding, dude. He's, like, one of the only people, like, you singled out one of the only people on the internet who actually will trigger me. Like, I get so <laughs> triggered by his MMA commentary because he doesn't know shit about the That's sport. Awesome. And, like, yeah. because ESPN, like, is, is newly partnered with UFC, you can tell, obviously, that he's, like, in his, the past. No, like, yeah, yeah. He's, he's NBA. Like, yeah. that's his thing. So that's, he's, that's hilarious. He's, like, oh, recently started to consume it, trying to understand it, and, like, it's oh, just that's amazing. That, like, as an outsider, though, that would be unbelievable content. Oh, just him like, trying to figure out. Like, if you weren't, like, a fan who's trying to, like, enjoy it, and you were, like, just, like, <laughs> take a step back and realize how funny it is to have Stephen A. Smith out here, like, trying to figure out the MMA is... Outstanding. I've literally That's- sat in front of my computer sometimes looking at clips wanting to rip my hair out. Like, how is this guy commentating on this right now? Like, it's just. <laughs> but, but again, it's just part, again, that unabashed, like. His persona is a Yeah, like, His it's, just, it's all part of the persona. So, man, it's, you, you can't, it's, it's that whole ability to just always double down and just ignore the critics and keep doing you. And, like, there is, you know, people. It's the same again. Same with Trump. Same with people like the like the uh, the Paul brothers. It's like that strategy is very polarizing, and there's always going to be a market for it. Like there's always going to be people who are attracted to that that confidence and that that just like feeling of just like a self assurance. Like this person doesn't really give a shit what the critics say, and they're just going to keep doing it. And yeah. you know, like it's it's good, I think, to have critics, you know, line up and, and keep people like that in check. But there's obviously like we as we've seen in recent years, like a a point of overreach where you become this you, you essentially start to feed the beast where now oh, definitely like, now they've they've figured out that, you know, they can just say something outrageous like the Dave Portnoy situation where it's like, Oh, yeah. now I get to just say something and these the media will freak out and that's just like gets me more clicks and more attention. So like there's that weird attention economy aspect to it where there's the diminishing returns and man, so <laughs> such a weird time for people like that. Definitely. Well, if you're ever in the area of Southwest Ohio and you would like to go to Charles Entertainment Cheese with me, just let me know. Um, oh man. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great invite. I appreciate that. Not a problem, man. I will I will pay for your first game. 
Oh, hell yeah. That's all, I, that's all I have to offer. It's probably like, I don't know, from where I'm at, it's maybe like a seven <laughs> or eight hour drive. I could, I could yeah, 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 perfect. I could do that. That's, 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 all that's all we're here to do. It's not too bad. Uh, or, or you could do another one of your, uh, your like, blogger trip. Oh, definitely. I, 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 I might end up in I might end up in Philly somewhat soon. I'll let you know. Blog about, like, finding the best cheese stick like everybody has done before, yes. but, but make it yes. Matt style. That'll be great. Definitely. I might actually end up in Philly somewhat soon i'll let you know though cool for sure awesome man well dude yeah thanks so much i'm really glad that no, we, thanks uh, for having me i appreciate chat. it yeah it's it's always it's always fun. I, I don't want to plug anything of my own i just want to say watch mr robot in usa oh, the last God. season comes out <laughs> this this winter i don't i don't like you can he, you can look up my socials if you want he'll put it in the description yep. of the podcast yep. whatever that's not important watch mr robot on USA. That's all I care about. I love, yeah, you don't even have to plug it. It's just to be in the show notes. That's a much more memorable. Yeah, no, oh, exactly. I, again, I don't care. You can just put watch Mr. Robot on USA instead. That's, that's <laughs> There's not going to be any description. It's literally just going to say, watch Mr. Robot on USA this, this winter. Yep. Episode title, description. Like, there's not, I'm not even going to like say nope. your name. Just, just watch gonna... Mr. Robot. Yep. That's perfect. <laughs> all right. Man. Thank you for having me though. I appreciate it. it was yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was fun talking. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll keep you posted when it comes out, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk back on Twitter or Discord or wherever we are. Yeah, definitely. All right, all right. You, uh, out, man. you have a good one. Thank yeah, you, you. everybody. If you made it this far and you listened, you're an insane person. <laughs> Go get therapy. I'm gonna keep all of this on unedited. Perfect. Just unedited. Perfect. This this end tag. It's a great one. Perfect. Go get therapy. <laughs>